This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. I'm Kevin Farrell, along with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. One way to increase your earning potential may be by attending a community college. But who are they for? Those right out of college? Those who've started but not finished a degree? Someone wanting to retrain for a new career? We'll learn today with our guest, Kel Smith. He's Interim Executive Director for the Mississippi Community College Board. Our financial advisors, Nancy and Ryder, can answer your personal finance questions. You can contact us by email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, uh, Nancy. We're going to start off with you. What's going on in the news this week, financially speaking? Well, good morning, Kevin. Um, the big thing we've been watching are mortgage rates. And, of course, as interest rates have gone up, so have those mortgage rates. And they have hit 5% for a 30-year mortgage. Now, I know it's all relative because we do have some clients who locked in mortgages for less than 3%. They were brilliant doing that. And so that means it's gone up considerably. But you know what? I remember the days when we had double-digit mortgage rates. <laughs> so, you know, these are still low, right, Ryder? These, yes, relative to what they have been. And, of course, they've been 5%. I can't remember it quite the date, but they've been 5% recently. So this isn't it's it's terrible when you look at them at they were 3% just a few months ago. Uh, you hate that you missed that, but this is still a very low cost for very long-term debt. And a lot of people are are anxious to jump in because they see rigs going even higher. And what we're now seeing is, even though we've had a really tight inventory on housing, the builders are starting to jump in. And uh, we had housing starts numbers this morning. They're the highest they've been since 2006. Mm -hmm. Permits are higher, meaning this trend will continue. So hopefully the supply will ease up. And um, so that means that our housing market is still quite healthy. And that's something that's super important when we talk about, as we have talked about a lot lately, inflation, because housing is such a big part of the American consumer basket. It's a big part of your monthly expenses, your house, your rent. They have all sorts of different ways of calculating it because obviously not everybody lives in the exact same house on the exact same street. But one important thing, like Nancy mentioned, is that we've had a very constrained supply of houses. And that's both houses haven't been being built fast enough because we have people who want to live places. we got to build them houses. And also, as people move, folks have moved out of big cities and into smaller towns, and they haven't necessarily sold their older houses. Because going back to talking about mortgage rates, mortgage rates have been super low. They probably have a very low payment on that whole home that they just, that they just moved out of. They haven't been as willing to sell. What we have been noticing anecdotally around here is that more homes are coming on the market as the rates rise. Folks who are just kind of holding a home have just haven't gotten around to selling the home, maybe had to do some repairs. It's been hard to find someone to fix it up to get it ready for for sale. They're concerned that nobody's going to want them now that mortgage rates are, oh, no, 5%. So they're going ahead and putting those on the market. And, and so hopefully that'll bring a little more supply, ease some of that rising 
easing pressure on on home prices, and that eases a lot of folks' expenses when it comes to when it comes to their housing expenses, and again, uh, helps to temper inflation a little bit. And connected to that, uh, looking at how we are spending, our consumer spending is still very healthy right now. Mm-hmm. But the surprise, and this is connected to housing, is that uh, durable goods spending is up. So when you buy a house, you're going to buy, you know, you got to buy a new truck. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to buy furniture. You've got to buy lawn equipment. Mm-hmm. All of that, and so that is all rippling through and is quite mm-hmm. healthy as well. Uh, speaking of consumer expenditures, we did have our tax deadline was yesterday, oh, yeah. so I hope everybody got their taxes in. Please don't call with any tax questions. Your CPA is on vacation. Um, but I was just looking at the statistics. Obviously, this is not complete for the, the filing year or even for the filing season. Next week, we'll get a complete report, but... The average refund is up 10% this year from uh, just under $3,000 to almost $3,300. The IRS has dispersed 16% more dollars in refunds compared to this time uh, last last year. Uh, Of course, last year was a little bit of a longer season, so some of that was a delay. But that's real dollars in people's pockets. So you're talking about people going out and buying a dryer. You're talking about people going out and buying a washer. This is the money that they they, they've got a couple extra dollars to do that. So spending and, is still happening. The, the big question is, what did Kevin buy? Kevin. Uh, actually, this year I am saving my money for my vacation fund. I'm going to visit my friends in Palm Springs the last week in May. So this year, the tax refund went directly into the vacation savings fund. There you go. A man who knows his priorities. No cookies, no shoes. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Here's a a sort of a tax-related question. Um, This year, for my state uh, return, I owed a little bit of money and uh, actually sent a money order. Is there any way to trace whether the money order is ever redeemed? I said no. I said no tax well, questions, it's Kevin. Sort of a tangent uh, I to taxes. don't believe so. Um, Isn't there like a number on there that I could go to the post office and? You, you may be able to. I have not. I have not used a money order in in some time, so I, I don't know. Unlike unlike a check, of course, where you would just show it, you'd just see it hit your bank account. What is this well, check and, and that of you course, speak of? What is a money order, Kevin? What, what is it, Western? <laughs> we're using the Pony Express to deliver well, this? <laughs> I don't do checks, so I have to do well, money the orders. the Wells Fargo carriage stopped outside my house, and I and I gave the man some gold doubloons. <laughs> it, it was all a money save because I was going to be charged to file my state income tax, and if I sent it in, I wasn't. So that's why I went with a money order out, because I've not had a check in years. So... Well, I'm sure I'm proud if of you. the state tax commission does not get that money order, you will hear from them. Well, that's that's my concern. I did, like I said, I've done it all electronically, and you sort of, you know, and this was the first time I've used the mail in a while. Had to pull out one of my forever stamps, which are still good, by the way, even though They're I bought it several forever. years ago. <laughs> well, you know, forever could be forever, but forever it could stamps not be. are a fantastic inflation protected <laughs> investment. Now that I think of it, I think I need to put them in my will. <laughs> Who, who gets who gets the little flag stamps? 
Mine had uh, trucks on them. Oh. Uh, this is Money Talks. We're going to be talking today about our community college system here in Mississippi. As we mentioned, our guest today is Kel Smith. He's the interim executive director for the Mississippi Community College Board. So welcome to Money Talks, Kel. Thanks for being with us. Kevin, thanks for having me this morning. Uh, tell us a little about what uh, what you do as the executive director. So I've, I've been with the agency for almost 14 years now and uh, handle communications and legislative uh, matters for the agency and the system. And since July, I've served as the interim executive director, uh, just helping our, our agency focus on uh, ways that we can provide community colleges the resources that they need to train Mississippians across the state uh, to put them in the position to be successful. Um, how are community colleges organized here in Mississippi? So the community college system in Mississippi is something we can all be proud of. Uh, it, it dates back to the early 1900s. Uh, we're a bottom-up system. That means that each of our 15 community colleges have their own local boards of trustees uh, that are uh, appointed by the county supervisors. Uh, those groups uh, set the day-to-day -day policies that govern the, the colleges. Uh, at the community college board, we are a coordinating body. Uh, we're, uh, we have a 10-member board that's appointed by the governor. Uh, we currently have about 45 employees at the agency. Uh, our two main responsibilities each year are to count students each semester and then disperse state dollars to the community colleges based on those numbers. Uh, our, our statute that creates our agency also says that we have general coordination of the community colleges, which is fairly broad. Uh, we, we help uh, career help. We, we approve career and technical education programs at the colleges. Uh, we handle system-wide efforts, uh, kind of just a jack-of-all-trades for, for the entire system, if you will. How many community colleges do we have in Mississippi? So we've got 15 community colleges that are strategically placed across the state. Uh, they're, they're mostly located at the main campuses in rural parts of the state. Uh, each college has different branches uh, that, that provide services to the districts in their areas. Uh, each college has in-state law districts that it's required to serve. Uh, so that's, that's uh, how the colleges are set up. So now you said that the county supervisor appoint the local board. So does that mean you, you see so Heinz Community College, Holmes Community College? Is it those county supervisors, or is it actually broader than that? It's broader. So the supervisors appoint folks within their districts to, to be on the boards. And so uh, each, each college, like I said a second ago, has its own counties that make up its district. And so that's the service area of which the colleges provide service to the district, whether it's workforce training, career and technical education, academic classes, adult education, you name it. What's the biggest community college? I'm sorry? What's the biggest one? Heinz Community College. How big? Uh, <laughs> Give us me on the spot right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many how many students are in this uh, whole system? Do you know? So we serve. You did say one of your jobs was counting the that's students. That's right. Well, so, I didn't say me. Uh, I uh, we expect have, you uh, to know this. We have far smarter people on staff <laughs> that handle that than myself. Uh, in, in an average year, the colleges will educate and train about 190,000 Mississippians. Wow. And that's everything from adult education students that have dropped out of high school to the academic students that are looking to transfer to university to the career and technical education, to workforce training. Uh, Heinz Community College, I believe their headcount enrollment uh, back in the fall was somewhere between twelve and 15,000 students. That's just the academic and career tech side. If you have a question for our experts, send an email to money at mpbonline.org.
We're talking about Mississippi's 15 community colleges as a path to better personal finance today. But what about sports glory? What are some of the mascots for the schools? We'll have that for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB, the number four car. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. So if you cheer for an educational institution based on their mascot, we'll tell you that the Mississippi Community Colleges have two tigers, two eagles, two bulldogs, a lion, a bobcat, a wildcat, a bear, the wolf pack, plus Indians, rangers, Trojans, and warriors. We're welcoming our guest today. It's Kel Smith, Interim Executive Director for the Mississippi Community College Board. So, Kel, right out of high school, why might a, choose, uh, a student choose to attend a community college? Well, first off, you uh, had me nervous, Kevin, a second ago, <laughs> talking about the, the mascots. I was nervous I was going to be put on the spot to name all of them, so, but you did an outstanding job. Keeping track of all this, Tigers and Eagles. No, uh, no doubt. So you asked about why students should choose a community college out of high school or wherever they may be in life. Uh, there are many many, many reasons for that. A couple that I'll mention real, real briefly are, number one, affordability. The average tuition and required fees this this year at a community college are $3,500. Uh, that's for the fall and the spring semester on average. So affordability, you know, this is a Money Talks show focusing on personal finances. Absolutely. I think that y'all agree that that's a great uh, investment. Uh, number two, uh, it's a small educational experience. And, and I don't mean 
globally, but but from the standpoint of your class sizes are going to be smaller. You're not going to get lost as a in the shuffle at, at, at a larger university. You know, you're not just going to be a number. Uh, you can develop relationships with your instructors, uh, with your classmates. Uh, so that's that's another great reason to attend a community college. Also, a community college can can put you in a position to do whatever you want to in life. Uh, if you want to be an orthopedic surgeon, if you want to be a plumber, if you want to do anything in between, uh, community colleges can put you in a position to be successful with whatever route you choose to take in life. And, and I guess you're right. So there are all those basic courses that most any, any major requires. And so you mentioned the, 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 the cost. And so students can, at a cheaper cost, get that basic stuff. Because, you know, the other thing, too, is I think a lot of college freshmen and sophomores change their majors a number of times. So this is a way to sort of, you know, affordably get a head start on your education and, and give you time to figure out what exactly you want to do. That's exactly right. And something that we're proud of at the Community College Board and at the Community College System is the fact that if a student graduates with an Associate of Arts degree, uh, which is the academic track, uh, we have articulation agreements in place with each of the eight public universities. So you can transfer seamlessly to a university and not lose hours. So that means that you can uh, stay on track to graduate with that bachelor's degree uh, within hopefully four years. You're not going to have to spend extra money to go back and take a class that you may have missed on the community college level as long as you uh, earn that Associate of Arts degree. Also, I guess when we talk about affordability, close to home certainly factors in there as well. That is absolutely right. You know, in, in the previous segment, I mentioned that we have 15 colleges, but each have branches, you know, within their service district. So, uh, you know, community college on average is probably within 30 miles of somebody in the state. Uh, our, our colleges, the main campuses each have dormitories. However, they're probably considered to be commuter schools. And what I mean by that is, you know, on the weekends, they're going to uh, go home. Uh, the, you know, not, not necessarily hang around campus because there may not be as much to do in uh, Summit or, or Scuba or uh, other areas of the state where our community colleges are located. So even though we do have dormitories, uh, you know, we, we are commuter schools in the sense that a large number of our students are the commuting type that may live at home uh, with their parents. They may be a non-traditional student who is also working that has to drive in and out to campus. So uh, that's correct. And, you know, we mentioned athletics, uh, but also then a community college, you certainly get the sort of the flavor of what college life is like. That's exactly right. Like I mentioned a second ago, uh, you have the dorm aspect. Uh, each college has, uh, you know, their own student activities. Uh, Phi Theta Kappa, which is right next door to where we are today, the International Community College Honor Society is a great organization that, that has chapters at each of our community colleges. So if you if you do choose to attend a community college, uh, you can get that that college experience that, that, that others get at the university uh, at a much more affordable cost, I would add. Kel, let me ask you about online classes. I would assume, especially during the pandemic, that a lot of your community colleges offer or beefed up their offering of online classes. Do they also share some of that content across the system? Nancy, that's a great question to ask in light of the world that we find ourselves coming out of the, the pandemic from two years ago. So so about 20 years ago, the community college system, the 15 presidents, came together and, and had the foresight to see uh, the future of online learning. And they created what was called or is called the Mississippi Virtual Community College. Uh, it's, it's the online delivery method uh, for students to take classes. And, and I, I took a class uh, in, in this early inception uh, 
from from a community college and and had a great experience and i can only imagine over time how it's gotten better but uh you know you're right the community colleges they'll they'll serve tens of or, or several thousand students in the online delivery method each semester uh they share classes which means that if if one community college may not offer a certain class online they can go to another class the students can uh the virtual community college was an absolute wonderful tool two years ago uh, when the pandemic hit and the world shut down uh, all of our colleges were either in spring break or about to go to spring break when when uh COVID hit the United States. And so uh, we were able to transition through a lot of hard work with our instructors to an online delivery method so that the students, uh, even though they couldn't go to in-class, to the in-class setting, they were able to continue their education through the virtual community college. And as technology has evolved, so has the virtual community college. And so it's a wonderful tool that thousands take advantage of each semester that that makes it... uh, able for students to to have higher education so is do you see the the virtual classroom the virtual learning continuing even after we get over the pandemic as hopefully we are kind of transitioning back to what was like beforehand will this be a a spot for it in the future absolutely it it was a it was a great tool in the toolbox prior to the pandemic uh it was a fantastic tool during the pandemic and as we are coming out of it it'll continue to be a great tool in the toolbox uh it it allows students the flexibility to to take class so if you're a non-traditional student who may also be working and you can't go to a college algebra class monday wednesday friday from 9 to 10, you know, the, the virtual community college allows you to take the class at, at, your, at your, I hate to say at your leisure, but when you're able to, uh, there's, you know, there's syllabuses, there's certain milestones that have to be met throughout the semesters to make sure that you're on track for the class. Uh, there's resources available to communicate with stu- with your, your fellow classmates, with your instructors. So, it, yes, it will continue to be a great tool moving forward. So I think when you mentioned before, the tuition obviously much lower than a traditional four-year institution, but also just that I think maybe underappreciated is that flexibility in the way you can go to school. You know, how close are you to home? Are you being, are you able to study nights and weekends? Whereas going to a four-year university is a four-year interruption. Uh, If you were someone who might get, might've already worked a year or two out of, out of high school or maybe planning on joining joining the workforce already. So that allows you a lot more flexibility is a kind of uh, underappreciated financial benefit there. Maybe. Absolutely. Uh, circling back to athletics, we talked about, you know, the, the chance to get that college atmosphere to cheer for your team, but as well, but this is a, a good opportunity for, for student athletes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, community college athletics in Mississippi have a proud history nationally of being among the best in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if you turn on the television any Saturday in the fall and watch any game, there's a strong chance that you will see a community college product from Mississippi uh, in the game. Uh baseball basketball as well uh so so we we do offer student athletes the opportunity to come they, they may um, be those those athletes who, who may just need another year or two to develop in order to uh you know be put on the radar of of the division one coaches uh there may be those who need some help academically and so uh yeah our student athletes do a great job both in the classroom and on the field and and, and make us all proud 
But also, it might be uh, uh, someone who's an athlete who enjoys playing their sport but doesn't aspire to professional sports or whatever, so it gives them an opportunity as well. That's exactly right. Get those last couple years out of your system, if you will. (laughs) Uh, Although this is a lot of time and effort put into it, I can assure you of that. We're discussing how attending a community college can further your career choice. So what do a famous singer, an astronaut, an Olympic long jumper, an award-winning immunologist, and a federal judge have in common? We've got that for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you had Jerry Lewis, Hall Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So, some of Mississippi Community College's famous students, American singer-songwriter Jimmy Buffett, engineer and former NASA astronaut Fred Hayes, world record holder for the long jump and Olympian Brittany Reese, award-winning immunologist Max Dale Cooper, and United States federal judge, the Honorable Michael P. Mills. Our guest on Money Talks this morning is Kel Smith. He is the interim executive director for the Mississippi Community College Board. So, Kel, we talked about uh, how community colleges benefit students right out of high school, but I think a, a very important important part of your mission is serving non-traditional students. So if you would talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's exactly right, Kevin. So the, the average age of a community college student is uh, 22 years old. So if you look at it from that perspective, our, our average student is a non-traditional student. And so, uh, you know, we, we can take folks, whether they haven't graduated from high school, if they, uh, you know, need, need to, uh, to earn a high school equivalency degree, uh, we can help them with that. Uh, you know, we can, we can put non-traditional students in the position to be successful in life. And I think an, uh, I, I think this is fairly recent, but another important part of your mission, and that is involved in, in workforce development. So talk about that, if you would. Absolutely. Workforce training is one of the, the biggest things that the community colleges do. Uh, and, and what I mean by workforce training is, is both the non-credit and the credit side. So with workforce training, we can take folks who may have uh, un- underskilled, they're underskilled, underemployed, and, and we can provide them the training that's necessary to put them in a position to 
have a, a family sustaining wage or career, if you will. Uh, we can do that on the on the four credit career and technical education side or the non credit side. And so on the non credit side specifically, we work closely with business and industry to help make sure that their employees have the skills that are needed for the businesses to be successful. We also work with potential business and industry to show, okay, if y'all locate to an area, we can train the workforce that, that you're going to need. And so you can be successful in, in Mississippi. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a double edge there in, in helping out uh, economic development in the state. And I, I think it's good that you work with with the current businesses here to, to, to really get good training and, and skills that can give someone really a big leg up towards trying to find a career, I guess. Absolutely. And I'll tell you one thing. We, we work very closely with Accelerate Mississippi. Ryan Miller, uh, the, the office that was created almost a year ago, uh, he and his team are doing a fantastic job of being the, the central workforce entity, if you will, for the state. Uh, for the first time, we have an Office of Workforce Development, so uh, one entity that's spearheading workforce development all across the state in all different kind of areas. So when you talk about workforce training, it's, it's, it's so encompassing. It's not necessarily just the training that you receive, but uh, you know, wraparound services, putting your, you know, if you need childcare uh, while you're uh, at work, that type of thing. So it's not just, when you talk about workforce development, it's not necessarily just the skills that that, that you have to have, although that's very important. Uh, but Accelerate Mississippi, they're doing a really good job uh, in, in, in bringing all parties to the table that are involved with workforce. This is Money Talks, and we're visiting today with Kel Smith. He's the Interim Executive Director for the Mississippi Community College Board. So, Kel, when it comes to active duty military and veterans, uh, how does the community college serve that group? So we do a few things for active duty military and veterans. One thing that we're proud of is that we offer in-state tuition for spouses and children of, of of active duty military. Uh, the legislature passed a law a few years ago with that, so that, that allows access and affordability for uh, the family members of, of active duty military. Uh, something else that we do is, is that we work with the colleges to, or yeah, we work with the colleges to, to try to uh, transcribe uh, prior learning that they may have received, prior training that they may have received in, 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 in their active duty, see if we can't put that on a transcript somehow. So that, that uh, shortens time to degree for the military. Uh, one thing that we're proud of in particular is each year, many of our institutions are designated mil military-friendly institutions, meaning that they have special services for, for both active duty and veterans. And so uh, the military is, is an important piece of, of Mississippi, and so uh, we're, we're glad to help in any way that we can with those people. Um, Kel, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, assistance, financial assistance for students? You said this is a great buy, and I do believe, do believe it is a great buy, uh, one of the best as far as education in the community college system. But how many of your students are on Pell Grants? Uh, subsidized loans? What about scholarships that are available? You know, each college is going to have a plethora of scholarships available to their students. Uh, so so I would encourage people that may be listening or, or today or if they hear the podcast later on, if this, if you're interested in, in attending a community college, reach out to the financial aid offices uh, at those institutions because they can tell you what specific, what specific scholarship opportunities they have at their institutions. Uh, they'll also help students walk 
walk through, uh, navigate them through the federal financial aid process, process the FAFSA, if you will, uh, which is important for, for our, so many of our students because, Nancy, you're right, we do have a large number of students that qualify for, if not full Pell, a large portion of Pell, and that, that helps to make, uh, you know, uh, community college and universities that much more affordable, if you will. So we we're talking a lot about the kind of workforce development, and I know a lot of people are probably thinking, okay, so when I graduated from university, then there was a career center, career services, a place I could go look at job postings, maybe some place did some on-campus recruitment, maybe a, a professor helped me out with a connection. What does that classroom to workplace experience look like for, because it sounds like y'all are doing a lot of very specific workforce stuff. What does that experience look like for the student? Sure. So, so our colleges will have have relationships with business and industry in their district. Uh, they'll they'll have you know uh, career folks that, that will help guide uh, our students into, into jobs that are available in their district. Uh, if, if you just ride around and, and you look at, at most, not most businesses, but several businesses right now will have now hiring signs mm-hmm. out. And so uh, our, our colleges do do a good job of connecting students with potential employees for sure. Got a couple callers on the line, so let's start in Oxford. Wayne has called in today. Good morning, Wayne. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Good morning. Um, I have two daughters that went to the junior college system. One is the Northwest Campus of Oxford, and one is the ITC in Fulton. And they did a, they really hit the ground running when went to senior college. They um, they did well the first semester. They were able to join a honors fraternity, and with that, they were able to keep their their AC, their GPA up pretty high here in junior college. And they were able to go to senior college for free. Um, my youngest daughter, who is graduating at Ole Miss this year, is actually actually a tiger medalist. So I can't say enough good things about our junior college sister in Mississippi. All right, Wayne, thanks for the call. Kel, that's the kind of call you like to hear, I guess. <laughs> that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Absolutely, Wayne. Thank you for those comments, and thanks for calling. You know, it's, that's great to hear the experience that your daughter's had. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just two of the many thousands that we'll have, you know, as, as we approach graduation here in the May. In, in May, I think, and, and that kind of highlights a point I think some people may worry about. Oh, if I go to two years of junior college, am I missing out on those important the social interactions that you get from your first two years of, of college because everyone looks back on college you don't necessarily think of your classes you think of all your other interactions that you had um but wayne highlights that they've had great experiences at ole miss uh they that so the the junior college was great preparation for that thanks wayne for your call next up we've got uh, todd who is in jackson good morning todd you're on the air uh i've come to the program late so my question's already been answered um uh my apology um, and I will agree that the uh, community college system in Mississippi is superb. Um, my question has to do with the faculty. I'm wondering what percentage of faculty are adjunct faculty, and I'm wondering uh, how uh, the faculty employee-wise are treated compared to their more job-secure counterparts. Do they have benefits, health benefits, et cetera? 
Todd, thanks for your question. To answer the, the second one, or your questions, thanks for, uh, for that. Uh, to answer your second one first, uh, our, our our faculty, they, they, they have 9, 10, 11, or 12-month contracts. Uh, if, if they teach a full-time load, then they uh, are considered, you know, state employees. They have state health insurance, retirement, all of that. Uh, the, as far as the percent that are adjunct, I don't have that with me. Uh, you know, when, whenever... Uh, you know the colleges have have a crunch where they have to have uh, classes to teach, and then they will at times you know hire adjunct faculty for that. Uh, you know our adjunct our, our faculty uh, meet SACS requirements. You know they have to have master's degrees plus certain a certain number of, of hours beyond that in order to teach. So they are experts in the fields that they teach, both on the academic and career tech side. But yeah, our faculty they do a fantastic job of of, of teaching and training our students. Um, I'm, I'll ask that. Do you, do you understand the basis of my question? There's been a good bit in the news about uh, the um, uh, considerable gap uh, in the treatment of adjunct faculty with that of mm. people who have uh, full-time positions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I understand that. Um, you know, in, in the adjunct, at times they're the folks who, who may be retired already that, that, that teach a class or two, or you know, they may have other employment opportunities as well. Well, thanks for my, uh, answering my question. Yes, sir. Thank you. So, I mean, that is an interesting question because you think about <clears throat> academics in a four-year institution. Maybe they're there because they were pursuing research or just continue to pursue education at that institution. But it sounds like they're coming to the community college from all different places. You mentioned maybe some retired professors, maybe some folks who, who they just wanted to teach at a higher level than, than uh, primary or secondary school. And then uh, I'm assuming do you also get people just from the business community? It seems like those are fairly strong links. Yeah, that's exactly right, Ryder, particularly on the career and technical side. Uh, if, if you're talking about a nursing instructor, you know, that person is going to have to have the, the nursing education, the nursing background as well. And that can be a challenge at times because if you think about it, that somebody that's gone yeah. to nursing school uh, can make a heck of a lot more money in the private sector than they can teaching at a community college or a university for that matter. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the, the challenges that our, our colleges have when it comes to hiring, particularly the career tech instructors. So and I think the issue of uh, adjunct professors is not just at the community college level. It's at our four-year universities because that's the way you can cut your expenses drastically is just instead of full-time faculty, you use adjuncts. Well, and I'll say, you know, about 10 years ago when enrollments were booming at the community colleges, uh, there were more adjunct faculty at the time just because they, they were, the, the colleges were having to, to meet the needs of so many. And uh, it, it was at times easier to hire an adjunct than it was a full-time instructor. Mm -hmm. But they still provide the same great teaching and training that, that a full-time instructor does. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, and today we're visiting with Kel Smith, who is the Interim Executive Director for the Mississippi Community College Board. So, Kel, tell us about Complete Compete to Complete. It's actually Complete to Compete. It's a mouthful. It's taken me about five years to figure it out myself. Uh, th this is a great program that, that the community colleges and IHL have partnered with. Uh, so we have so many thousands of students in Mississippi that, that have attended a, a community colleges or university but have not earned uh, enough hours for either a bachelor's or an associate's degree. So Complete to Compete was, was created to establish this issue. Uh, it began in 2000. 
2017, and it takes students who, who have previously attended these institutions but may have not may not have earned you know bachelor's or an associate's puts them in touch with folks at the college campuses to examine their transcript if i went to a community college transferred to university before i earned an associate's degree you know they can come back and look okay did you earn enough credits at the at the university that could then be transcribed for a, an associate's degree and so since 2017 uh we've had about 800 students that have participated in in the program uh we've awarded about 2400 degrees both bachelor's and associate's degrees. So these folks have a, a certificate, a, a degree of value now that allows that, that, that potentially opens doors for them professionally uh, that, that may not have been available otherwise. Uh, it, it does uh, it, it does offer some tuition assistance for for, for folks if they if they qualify. Uh, so far, they've awarded about three point nine million dollars uh, in tuition assistance, and what that means is is a thousand a one thousand dollar grant that's renewable for each qualifying semester. So if you had a previous balance that may have kept you from uh, enrolling in a university or, or a community college or maybe even have your transcript released, that $1,000 can be used to help pay off that balance. So Complete to Compete is a fantastic uh, opportunity for someone who may have previously attended an institution. We're talking about Mississippi's community colleges. MPB had a recent broadcast where the guest turned his passion into a career with the help of a community college. We'll have details for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. We're glad you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tapp, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Here's a program reminder. Tuesdays at 10 a.m., listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. So earlier this month on our show, AutoCorrect, we had the owner of the Classic Restoration on the show, Mike Martin, talked about how he attended Holmes Community College to learn skills that allowed him to turn his hobby into a business. We're visiting today with Kel Smith. He's the interim executive director for the Mississippi Kennedy College Board. And uh, Liz Gill, our producer, I think has an email. I do. Uh, Marlon emailed this morning saying, recommend mentioning short courses taught at community colleges, like one-day computer courses or professional certificates, certifications. I have done a couple, always a very good deal for a professional looking to upgrade skills. 
And that's a great comment to make, Marlon. Our community colleges do offer short-term training uh, in certain areas. So, so that's that's great to hear that she's taking advantage of those and definitely encourage others that may be interested in that to look into that. What is the oldest uh, community college in Mississippi? Do you know, I think it's Pearl River. Uh, that they, they go back, or they, they go back to the early 1900s. Um, and so we mentioned there are 15 campuses, and I imagine they're not all exactly the same. Uh, what are some of the programs that are at the various campuses around the, the, the state? Sure. So, so most of our academic programs are going to be the same at each of the 15 community colleges. Uh, there will be variances when you have the career and technical education programs along with workforce training. Uh, the reason I say that is because they're going to tailor those programs to what the needs are in their areas of the state. So, for instance, you're not going to have a maritime program in the central part of the state or, uh, you know, logistics programs are incredibly popular in North Mississippi right now with all the, mm-hmm. the hubs popping up in DeSoto and Marshall counties. And so, uh, you know, our, our colleges from the career tech perspective offer various allied health programs. That's going to be your nursing programs, your respiratory technology programs, your uh, physical therapy assistant programs, those type programs, uh, welding, HVAC, plumbing, uh, the the, the jobs that that require the two-year maybe less like marlon mentioned earlier uh certificates uh so so if if you want specific information on what colleges uh, offer programs i I would direct you to our website us www.mccb.edu at the top of the page there's a link for colleges and then you can click on that link and go to the specific colleges and they have a program of study uh area on their home pages so you can see exactly what what programs are offered at the community colleges, at the specific community colleges. And, and tell, I am a community college success story. I spent about a year at Heinz Community College on my way to my degree, so thanks. That's outstanding. There we go. Another another great success story. And I was just going to say, would that be what the short courses mentioned? Yeah. Would that website be another good resource for finding those? Absolutely. Yeah. And if, if you have questions, our email address, you can direct those to info at mccb.edu uh, that comes to our office and we can put uh, people into contact with whoever they may need to at the at the various campuses across the state so Cal, what's the what's the future for the community college system in mississippi the future's bright uh, they will they will continue to provide these services that are critical uh, to to so many of our mississippians whether it's the educational folks that are looking to transfer to a, a university uh, they do that at, at an affordable rate like we talked about earlier uh, you know workforce will continue to be a priority for for the colleges both on the for credit and non-credit side uh, so so the future bright, I would encourage anybody that has any interest in, in, in higher education to consider a community college first. Uh, we, we can put you in the position to be whatever you want to in life. And Cal, I am still hoping for a policy change that would make community colleges free for everybody. Um, that's been on the table for a while now, and I think it would be perfect. It would be uh, a way to funnel students who had never had that opportunity before to then head on into four-year universities. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ryder, do you have any uh, interaction with the community college system? 
Uh, personally, no. Although I have had friends go through the community college system and some matriculating onto four-year universities and all good experiences. And also, I think uh, historically they were called junior colleges. I'm wondering if maybe the change in nomenclature is to better reflect kind of, again, the mission that they have. Kevin, you're absolutely right. I think back in the 70s or 80s before I got to the board, the, 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 the movement was made to try to transition away from the junior, uh, if you will, term to community because there's nothing junior about community colleges. You know, they, they, uh, they are robust academic institutions. Our instructors have the same qualifications that, that university instructors have, and so uh, there's nothing junior about the services they provide or the work that they do. And so I think our, la- our, our last college was junior college, if you will, was Jones County Junior College, and a few years ago uh, that for marketing purposes, they're now Jones College. So uh, you're exactly right about the, the junior versus community. community. Uh, what about uh, are there some arts programs that the community colleges offer? Yeah, that 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 would go back to uh, you know what the needs are in the various institutions and in the areas of the state. But yeah, they'll they'll have fine arts classes that they'll offer for sure. And then um, how do they, this might be kind of an odd question, but how do they portion out sort of territory? I I know that um, um, Hines Community College has some branches in in other counties, and I think Holmes Community College as well. So how do they sort of divvy up the territory? So that that was done about 100 years ago, I guess, when the the system was created in state law. If you actually look up the statutes that establish the community colleges, uh, it says what counties are in the community college district. So Hines Community College would have Hines, Rankin, Warren, Claiborne, uh, and then I think Capaya counties as well. I may be leaving one out, but but yeah, so each college has its, its own set of districts and an established set of districts uh, that, that allows it to, to serve that area of the state. All right, we're right out of time, but we've got enough time for you to remind folks if they want to learn more about Mississippi's community colleges, how do they go about doing that? Absolutely. Our website is www.mccb.edu. If you have questions, we can be reached either 601-432-6518, or you can send an email to info at mccb.edu. All right, and we enjoy having you. We are located all on the same campus, so we're neighbors in that respect. So, Kel, we appreciate you coming out today, helping us uh, on the show. My pleasure. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your preferred podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Jason Klein. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Ryder Taff, and our guest, Kel Smith. I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us Tuesdays at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. podcast.